Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. My great fear as a kid was a fear of failing. And that's Hawaiian, because I was born that way, because that's the expectation. You're Hawaiian, you're going to be less. You're Hawaiian, you're going to fail more. And so it's old, it's in you, it's part of your identity. But when I navigate a voyage, I know when the storm comes, and it's going to take you to the bone. And if the storm keeps coming, you got to stand up. It's just what you got to do. And it's this zone where you learn to make fear your best friend. You hold it really close to you, and you open up that door to believing that you can make it. I took a walk through this beautiful world. Felt the cool rain on my shoulder. Hawaii is America, as American as anything could possibly be. Yet it also never shed what was there before and the layers and layers that have come since. It's a wonderful, tricky, conflicted, mutant hell broth in what, for lack of a better word, you'd have to call paradise. Nowhere's paradise. Paradises don't exist. Paradise is kind of in your head. Wait, wait a minute. You look at your window here, you look at those hills, those mountains, all that green, that blue sky, and gin-clear sea. It, it sure looks like paradise to me. This guy knows. He's been everywhere. He's Paul Thiru, novelist, essayist, and legendary traveler and travel writer. Of all the places he's been, all the places he's seen, he chose Hawaii to live. And he's lived here for 25 years. Does it matter that it's America? No, that's the big thing, that it is America. It has elements of the third world, the nicest elements of the third right. world, which is funky. Uh, there's this, this self-respect, there's pride, there's things that don't work at all. And then it's Main Street USA, where we are now. I mean, this PTA meetings here. They get together and watch the uh, Super Bowl, and it's the most Main Street, USA, or as much as you will find. Town is a neighborhood spot in Honolulu's Kamuke District. And as Hawaii is the only state in the union that allows dayboat fishermen to sell directly to restaurants, 
the pan-roasted mahi-mahi is pretty damn good. It's not a particularly welcoming or friendly part of the world, no, contrary to the sort of the aloha myth. No, that's right. That's right. But no island is. Nantucket is. The Isle of Wight is. Name an island. They want foreigners in Corsica. Sicily, they want foreigners there. No way. No right. way. Did anyone ever come to an island uh, with a good intention? People, people. <laughs> no, never in the no, history no. of the world. Best, best case scenario, bring syphilis. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the it, very it least. Happened, happened. Happened. Captain Cook put his sailors ashore in Nittyau, which is just a little bit northwest of here. He was the first Howley. And like Magellan, Hawaii killed its first tourist and right. the Philippines killed their first tourist. But people who live on islands, who are born on islands, view anyone who comes ashore with suspicion. Well, to go back to the, what defines a Hawaiian, maybe we should go back in our imaginations to, could have been 2,000 years ago. The Tahitians had this voyaging crew way before any other culture on the planet was exploring the deep seas, somehow gets here, someplace in the South Pacific, single most isolated archipelago on the planet. Fast forward to Captain Cook and his identification of native wines, you get a glimpse that these are very productive people. They were industrious, they were healthy, strong, they had time for the arts. That was a large population, more than half of what we have in Hawaii today, fully sustainable, because there was no other choice. So over time, the native Hawaiian population goes to 22,000. It's the same story. Introduced disease, inability to, to deal with it, people die. 1926, the public school system would outlaw language and the practice of culture in public schools. So the road to extinction is being well paved. Between Captain Cook's arrival in 1778 and today, disease wiped out most of the population. Missionaries came, a booming sugar and pineapple plantation industry, an influx of immigrants from Japan, Okinawa, China, and the Philippines. There was the overthrow of Queen Liliuokalani and the U.S. takeover of the Hawaiian government. World War II, and finally, statehood. The geographical realities of being thousands of miles from well anywhere else has given Hawaii, to some degree, protection from the forces that eradicated so many other South Pacific cultures entirely. In fact, they've arguably been holding back the inevitable creep better than just about anyone. What Hawaii looks like today depends on which island you're standing on, and to some extent, the reputation of the locals. The Hawaiian Islands are not a monolith. Islands, that's plural. And we are talking eight very different islands with very different identities. It's been over a century since the waves of immigrants began and things got all mixed up in the best possible way. There's layers and a simple question like who is Hawaiian gets you all kinds of answers. The neighborhood of Kalihi is a far cry from the Hawaii that most people know. And Ethel's has been a go-to of a very specific kind for the last 40 years. It's a blue-collar town. Blue you know, they all come here. Right. Breakfast, lunch, every day. I'm joined by two local chefs, Mark Noguchi 
of mission known by some as the Gooch. He's second generation Japanese. And Andrew Lay of the Pig and the Lady. He's first generation Vietnamese American, or would that be Vietnamese Hawaiian? As you'll see, it gets complicated. I actually cooked on the East Coast for three years, and people would always be like, oh, you're from Hawaii, you're Hawaiian. And I was like, no, 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 I'm a second generation Japanese. No, no, but you're from Hawaii, it makes you Hawaiian. And it was like, no. And then what I realized is like, here in Hawaii, we identify ourselves ethnically versus geographically. Like, there's no way that he and I would call ourselves Hawaiian. We get our ass kicked by a Hawaiian. How many generations does it take? I mean, who qualifies as Hawaiian in your view? To me, a Hawaiian is a Kanaka Maoli, is a native of the land, it's in your blood, your koko. You come from a lineage of native Hawaiian people. Well, what, what, what's your feeling here? I do feel like I'm Hawaiian in a sense, you know? That's like my place. Uh, but culturally, it's a different story. Well, let me ask you this. You say you're not Hawaiian. What's your feeling about spam? I love, I love so spam. So you're Hawaii. I'm from Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm born and raised, gonna die, 808. The owners of Ethel's are a sort of typical Hawaiian mix. Okinawan Ryoko Ishii, AKA mob, mainland Japanese husband, Yoichi, daughter Anaka, who I guess would be Japanese Okinawan American slash Hawaiian, and son-in-law Robert, who is of course Mexican. It's the big feet. Oh, nice. That's pretty. Oh, wow. Look at that. That's, that's the tripe. That's the tripe. That's the tripe. That looks good. <laughs> Spam and bitter melon. Now we are talking. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. I just call it local food. No, yeah. but local food just like covers like a wide net. When I look at this table, again, I just see Hawaii. You, know, you got Portuguese, Japanese, you got. Okinawan, um, World War II, I don't know, some type of Korean, Korean, Japanese, yeah, Hawaiian, love child, right. kind of awesomeness. The food is some bone-deep Hawaiian stuff, my friends, which is to say a delicious mashup of, well, look, take taco rice. It's a dish created in Okinawa to approximate Tex-Mex for homesick American GIs that was then appropriated in a post-ironic way by younger generations of Okinawans, the Japanese, that has now found its way back to Hawaii. Got that? Going right in there. <laughs> wow. Identifying and seeing my best friends were native Hawaiian helped me to realize the pride of being from Hawaii, understanding the Hawaiian culture, living it, but also being very proud of being Japanese. There's still a movement to uh, a sovereign it's a very strong yeah. movement. Okay. So if fighting broke out in the streets, which side are you on? I'm getting tear gas. You're getting tear gas. You don't even have to think about that. You. But you know what's funny? What okay. I, was, I always joke about it. It's like, if like Nation of Hawaii took it back, right, and ousted Uncle Sam, my whole thing, and they was like, no, 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 Hawaii is for Native Hawaiians only now. I'm like, hey, everybody needs a cook. <laughs> like, I'm a cook. <laughs> I have worth. This is Nainoa Thompson. And in 1976, along with a number of similarly heroic Hawaiians, he did a very difficult, very important thing. Before 1972, it was generally assumed, even insisted upon, that Hawaii had been settled originally by some random savages who'd maybe drifted over accidentally from South America. It certainly couldn't have been ancient Polynesians, 
They couldn't possibly have been the kind of sophisticated navigators who could guide a sailboat willfully across the Pacific, across thousands of miles of open water. Nobody could see the canoe here. Too beaten, knocked out of you, no dreams, no hope, can't see. The Polynesian Voyaging Society, with the help of crew members like Nainoa Thompson, set out to prove that that was exactly what did happen. There were those in, in the community that loved this canoe, prayed for it, and there was those that feared this canoe because he sensed change. You have a 62-foot, 12-ton voyaging canoe. I mean, it was powerful. It changed everything. The Hokulea, a double-hulled sailing canoe, a replica of the kind of craft believed to have been used in those times and using only primitive, contemporaneous navigational tools, sailed 5,500 miles to Tahiti and back. A trip that helped spark a Hawaiian renaissance, a rebirth of pride and interest in traditional Hawaiian culture and identity. The success was monumental. It changed worldview. That our ancestors were powerful, they were extraordinarily intelligent, they were courageous, and they were skilled. And so we come from them. Thompson is a legendary waterman, and he's continued to sail on Hokulea's missions. Native Hawaiian, his roots in this valley go back 200 years. My grandfather was born here. So I grew up knocking cows with my grandfather. He spent many years learning traditional Polynesian navigation techniques from a master, Mao Pailok, of the small Micronesian island of Sarawal. This is a man that was chosen by his grandfather. At one year old, he was put into Taipo to be trained in learning the wind and the water. And at five years old, he was sailing with his grandfather. And then he would never say that as some sense of abuse, but only love. He says, yeah, when the wave make the canoe move, the canoe make me sick. My grandfather throw me in the ocean so I can go inside the wave. And when I go inside the wave, I become the wave. And when I become the wave, now I'm navigator at five. So when I approached him, he just said to me, you're too old. You want someone to know everything, send your son to my island. But he said, I'll teach you enough to find the island you seek, but I can't teach you the magic. Why do you think it was important to do such a difficult thing? I mean, it's the same story that you're gonna see in- Well, everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. in terms of indigenous people. My father's mother, nearly pure Hawaiian, chooses not to teach her children uh, language or culture or genealogy. Where do you come from? Who's your family? What's your link? What's your, what, and, and that could have been 100 generations. What the voyage did was a reconnection back to feeling wholesome about who you are, because knowing where you come from and who are your ancestors. So Hokulea, when it got to Tahiti, it was their canoe. This wasn't our canoe, it was right, theirs. Right. And so that, it started to ignite this flame, again, symbolic, a bumper sticker, a T-shirt starts to emerge. I'm proud to be Hawaiian. 1987, it becomes the first language. It's mandatory in the schools. Hawaiian culture has to be taught in public schools. Private schools will not have attendance if you don't teach Hawaiian. Right. Now, it's Hawaiian identity is into everything. It has to be recognized in everything. You're going to go to Molokai. Yeah. That community is powerful. When I mentioned to people, locals in Oahu, in Maui, other Hawaiian residents, that I was going to Molokai, 
the response was almost always surprise. Molokai did not have a reputation for being welcoming, that it was dangerous to go over there, that those Molokai dudes were mean, inward-looking, unfriendly, tough as iron, and quick to get pissed off. As it turned out, that was not my experience. So we like to brag about what we don't have. We don't have traffic lights. We don't have a building over three stories. We don't have traffic. Nice. Walter Naki is a skilled fisherman, and today we're headed out for some octopus. You know Molokai's nickname, right? It's called the Friendly Isle. Yeah, but it's famously not the Friendly Isle. It's, it's, it's supposed to be the most unfriendly island. I mean, that's what everybody says, right? Depends which way you look at it. Traditionally, we're very, very friendly. Now, unfriendly is when you're going to try to come and fix it. Right. Make it better. Right. Or try to take something. Right. That's when we become unfriendly. <laughs> the Molokai people have been protective of what their resources. So we have a lot of our natural resources still intact. Still. Yes. But then there's always other people that want to come. Unsurprisingly, fishing rights is an issue around here. Don't come over here sport fishing the wrong place if you know what's good for you. So, Tony, this is basically where we're going to dive, this area. Nice sandy spot. Okay, ready? Great. Let's go. Okay, we are here, man. When we get into the octopus, we're going to coach him out of his hole. So when you stick the spear in there, you're going to make him feel he's not safe no more. When he comes running out there, you want to stick him with a spear. Final step. Stun the struggling creature with a sharp blow from a mallet. Or if you want to go old school, bite him right in the brain. In my case, it took repeated crunching to locate the apparently chiclet-sized organ. We're gonna come to you. Take your time. This one died eventually, as likely by exhaustion as anything else, I suspect. <laughs> Yo, hero today. <laughs> this podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. While the sailing canoe, the Hokulea, was a powerful spark for the Hawaiian Renaissance, this was what really set things off. Beginning in 1941 and continuing into the 70s and beyond, the U.S. Navy had been using the beautiful neighboring island of Kahoolewa as a bombing range. You could feel the shockwaves as far away as Maui and Molokai. I'm proud of my Hawaiian blood and nobody gonna tell me any different. People had never been happy about it, but emboldened by the times and by recent events, a group of young activists decided to take a stand. In 1976, there were a number of attempted occupations of the island in protest of the bombing. None more successful than Walter Riddies. He and a fellow activist named Richard Sawyer set up on the island and refused to leave. One day, we're going to put one queen back over there. Managing to evade pursuers for just over a month before finally being arrested and jailed. And her first order is burn down this building and put up one halal that belongs over here. They emerged, of course, heroes. And these protests went on to inspire many others to join the movement. I hope I'm still alive when that day happens, because I want to see our queen back in office. And embodied the independent spirit, the desire for Hawaiian empowerment and sovereignty that today resonates across generations. Welcome to what is supposedly the most unwelcoming place in Hawaii. Anthony, come in, brother. Come in to Kiavenui. My name is Hano Hano. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. you. Please come inside. Hello. Hello. This is Kiavenui Fish Pond, a shared community space with a sacred history. Hano Hano is the caretaker of the fish pond. He's a local community leader here on Molokai. Also here is the famous Walter Ritty. Everybody knows how valuable all of this stuff is because we can see what happened to the rest of the island. So essentially an old school fish farm. 800 years old. 800 years old. <laughs> Modernizing one old idea. And an ancient idea is as simple as feeding your community. And this, the island you're on, this place could feed over a million people back in the day. You hear the word again and again on Molokai. Aina, which means land, and translates to that which feeds you. Springs, mountains, rivers. These lands, these fish ponds, were managed by their ancestors as a sacred trust. Here, where fresh water from the mountains and fast-moving ocean waters met. Early, sustainable, clean fish farms. Something in modern times we're still struggling to figure out. Because you heard what people think about us. But the true story is that we have a place of abundance and we try to protect it. 
We're trying to protect all of these things that we've been able to protect for the last 30 years, and it's getting hotter and hotter. Every single one of these Hawaiians over here get enough evidence that the state of Hawaii, the Department of Land and Natural Resources, have done a terrible job. We're not even looking for blame. We're actually looking for an agreement that from today, right. we all gonna be pono. We're all gonna be righteous. We're all gonna be good. Our planet is in such uh, bad shape that being environmental, being green is trending. And that's where the Hawaiians have always been. So who gets to be Hawaiian? This is the question. Who is Hawaiian? Hawaiian is a nationality, bro. You can be Hawaiian. Really? They come on. A, they made Don't shit me now. Yeah, I, gotta be, I have to Hawaiian be born here. This is a, come on, this is a different story. I, I, I can give you the best explanation. Because you cannot be our blood. Our blood is Kanaka. You cannot be Kanaka. Hawaiian is our nationality, and you can pledge for be that. You see this, what we're standing on? Our aina. It matters so much that if you love this place and you don't want to develop it, destroy it, abuse it, That's we're on the I same am. team. Yeah. If you eyeing this place and its resources as a money-making uh, vehicle for yourself, we enemies, right? And it doesn't matter what race, religion, what sex you. If you love this place and you can malama our aina the way we love it and our ancestors loved it, well, we can be more than friends, but we can be family. Aben aloha you. you know? True law. <laughs> Beautifully played, Wow. <laughs> That's it. Right on. Right on, bro. <laughs> It's a pretty impressive spread of food for such a supposedly surly group. Slow-roasted pig, grilled kalafish, mullet cooked lavalu style, and of course, octopus, known as squid luau. Fresh poi, you gotta have it fresh, believe me, makes all the difference in the world. Freshwater snails called, I believe, hihivai harvested from streams way up in the mountains. It's the bounty. The bounty. The bounty of our ocean and our mountain. The squid. Oh, that's the octopus. Oh, hey, well, you bit his eye. Right oh, there, right there. I, I, rec I recognize you. Vahine ilikea molokai Anthony, when, when somebody steals this, it's easy for us to say, you're stealing our stuff, right? But all of this stuff is dependent on a healthy environment and ecosystem. All right, but then let me ask you, just because I'm a bit of a dick, I have to ask this no, question. I, love <laughs> no, I, I have to ask. Bring it on. I have to ask. All right, so we have like 12 more beers. And I pull out some nice Spam Masubi. I'm going to eat them, right? I, look at me, I'm going to eat them. <laughs> but it's not, that doesn't mean it's because, right. And that doesn't mean that's what I'm going to feed my children. <laughs> Our culture made everything we did the best of the best. Hawaiians are the only one that, that turned taro into poi. You know what yes. I mean? We did everything to the best of the best. So if you want to introduce spam to us, we're going to do them the best. You introduce Christianity to us, we're going to do them the best. <laughs> but whatever you introduce to us, we're Our Christianity is better than yours. I love it. <laughs> so you've really disappointed me. You in no way lived up to your reputation as mean, unwelcoming, inward looking, hostile. Come on, admit it. It's a calculated strategy. It is. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'll leave with a message. If you're watching this show, I hope your heart is swelling with admiration. But bottom line, don't come here. Yeah. Yeah! Vahine ilikea the Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. Celebrities of all kinds are speaking publicly about their therapeutic trips, so to speak. It turns out there is a burgeoning industry ready to serve the new influx of people who find themselves turning away from traditional mental health therapy. The gap between what we know and what we don't about psychedelic therapy. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. The ocean is all around for thousands of miles. A humbling feeling, knowing at all times that the ground upon which you live and walk and breathe is but a tiny speck in the middle of all this. So in Hawaii, the waterman is an important distinction. It expresses the shared consensus that you were able to handle yourself in the ocean, no matter what it throws at you. It implies that you are capable of almost mythical things. The ability to live in the water, handle its many moods, above or below the surface. Meet Uncle Ross, waterman. A canoe surfing legend and generally accepted ambassador of the Aloha spirit. He's offered to share with me a truly ancient Hawaiian space, found only on the face of a crashing wave. Surfing, a life connected to the ocean, and spending time with family and friends on the beach are some of the cornerstones of Hawaiian life. So this is our chef. This is Jason. How are you? And Tony, that's uh, Keola. Hey, how are you? All right. You good? Yes, sir. Kalani. How do you do? How are you? Keave. What's going on? Hi. Megan. Hello. Those are my two daughters. And this is my wife, Alicia. Why, hello. Hi. Brendan, come say hi. Hey, Brendan, how are you? And uh, Milton, this is Milton. Milton, good to meet you. So how does everybody know each other here? We live on an island, everybody knows everybody. Okay, <laughs> that's true. why did I even ask? It's just the way you roll. <laughs> I think I met Uncle Ross through the water, I mean, just surfing at Laniopoco, and then we became like family. My daughter. Yeah, he's like my, and he's like my dad, my ohana. Each and every weekend, Uncle Ross can be found here with his ohana a Hawaiian word that describes an extended circle of family and close friends. Man, nice that we got lucky today. It's a beautiful day. Beautiful day, yeah. Even when it's storming, it's nice on the beach. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll stay here until that thing goes down. Hits the horizon. <laughs> when that sun hits the horizon, it's, that's time to go home. Maui is an island as beautiful as it gets. And sure, it's got its share of portion-controlled cruise line entertainments, doled out in digestible bites and complimentary Mai Tais. 
but you'll also find a sort of beloved indigenous institution like Tasty Crust, as local a place as you're likely to find. Daniel Ikika Ito will explain. This what is a menu here? situation, or I can order for you if you trust me. I think we're going to hook you up with uh, the local flavor, so... Okay, I trust you. Raised on the Big Island, he's a journalist, the first Native Hawaiian editor of a major surf publication and founder of the local Contrast magazine. Local culture is very much so trying to point a finger at anybody coming in and going, hey, you're a haole, you don't belong. And therein kind of lies a little conflict you have being a modern-day Hawaiian. And I still think that's something that we forget about these days is how educated and how accepting our kupuna, our ancestors were. It was always built on inclusivity, aloha. Mm -hmm. Aloha is giving without expecting anything in return. You got this Hawaiian culture that was a product of the Polynesians that populated the islands. Then you got this local culture that's a product of the plantation lifestyle. So the Japanese, the Chinese, the Koreans, the Filipinos, the Portuguese. If indeed all history can be explained by what's on your plate, this is a prime example. Behold Bitches, the plate lunch. The most identifiable and essential feature of the plate lunch is this, a big scoop or two of white rice and potato mac salad. There is nothing more Hawaiian. Served alongside a protein like chicken katsu, or this hamburger steak, a burger-like patty drowned in dark, sinister, sticky, shiny gravy. Or furukaki ahi, seared ahi with nori and sesame seed. Oh my gosh, that looks beautiful. Oh yeah, that's gonna work. Oh. All right, let's just I sit this right on top of the rice. Yeah, yeah. You wanna get some mac salad too on there too. Gotta mm. get that sinister gravy on. Oh dude, look what we're eating. Yeah. Okay, they may not be Hawaiian, but they are now. They are fundamentally local. I mean, this food, this most delicious, let's be honest, delicious, this is not healthy eating. And we're kind of paying the price for it right now in the health of the state, which is terrible. As I take a bite of hamburger and yeah, it's, Like I said, it's just so good. If you really want to do Hawaii, right, you got to give back. And that's a power that Hawaii and the Aina still has is if you show aloha and you give without asking, the Aina is going to recognize it and it's going to shower its blessings upon you. So you think traditional Hawaiian culture and lifestyle has a chance against the modern world? I think so. The beautiful part about my ancestors is they realized there was a limited number of resources where they lived so they observed nature to the best possible they could to figure out what were the cycles and how do we preserve this resource. Hawaiian culture can teach the whole world something that it needs to know is we all live on an island and we are all part of the same community. Let's all show aloha to the aina and let's show aloha to everybody else as well. An extraordinary man lives in this house. Shep Gordon, longtime resident on Maui, 
legendary talent manager. Maybe you know some of the people whose careers he's looked after. Alice Cooper, Teddy Pendergrass, Luther Vandross, Blondie, Pink Floyd. He was years, years ahead of the chef explosion, shepherding Emeril through his early career. He's produced films, worked alongside great French chefs like Roger Verger, become close to His Holiness the Dalai Lama, basically done everything with everybody in every place. I first got here 40 years ago. I put one foot on the island. I knew I was living here the rest of my life. You ever look out there and it's just, it's wallpaper? Never, ever. I say it out loud every day. My first words in the morning are, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, every day. Chef is famously one of the most generous and enthusiastic of hosts, a more stand-up loyal guy you could barely imagine, and it's no wonder they call the documentary based on his life, Supermensch. That's how he's known around the world. Here, he's known as that guy who throws great parties. Prep starts early. With chef's friend Julio, a Maui born and bred rancher, with help from local chef Sheldon Simeon. Middle of the night, and a traditional emu is dug, filled with lava rocks. The fire allowed to burn down to coals before the pig, wrapped in a combination of banana leaves and tea leaves, is dropped in. Okay, you guys ready for the unveiling? Here we go. All right. Twelve hours later, you dig them up and, well, it's party time. So what you've been saying is you've been drinking steadily since 5 o'clock this morning. <laughs> I didn't, it didn't come out of my mouth. <laughs> okay. Behold the magnificence. It's a very important part of your childhood. Wow, look at that. You just lift those bones out by hand. Yep. Right. Jeff, you ready? Oh, you just dump them into a bucket? Awesome. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty much the way I want to end up. <laughs> just be able to pour me right into a pot. There's lots to do, and everyone pitches in to help. It's an extended all-day affair of prepping. Chopping, dicing, slicing, mixing. And of course, there's some sampling along the way. Like this wild pig sausage that someone was nice enough to stop by with. Sheldon works up a potato mac salad. Not gonna do it? One more time. Okay, hit you one more time. Julio carves up some unicorn fish, which he caught himself earlier in the day. Chef Mark Tarbell stuffs a couple of fresh red snappers before throwing them in the oven. There's poi pounded fresh out back. And somewhere, somewhere, pig's foot soup is happily bubbling away. Here, Charlie, soup water. Why do I want to do this? There's chili pepper water, used for dipping or taken as an auxiliary shot for regularity or boner medicine or whatever. Oh, yeah, there's also spam noodles. There is no party without spam. <laughs> By dinner time, the beer, wine, and festive beverages have been flowing for hours. Also, moods have been adjusted in a completely natural way, indigenous to the islands, of course. How about Julio and the pigs? Yes. Oh, man. Oh. I've cooked a lot of pigs. I ain't never seen one. 
poured <laughs> into a pot meatly. That's what I love. This is what we do in the islands. That's what it's all about. Yeah. And always bring the Ohana, bring the family, bring the kids. You, know, you rarely ever see a party where there aren't kids. Ohana means family. Extended family. Extended family. Yeah, like you're now Ohana to everybody here. Yeah. Ohana means if you're going to be a family, we can borrow money from you. <laughs> and as happens, I've come to find out, things end up in the most natural, just kind of happens way. Song and some dancing. This is Willie Kay, and that's his daughter, Lisette. And it's pretty damn captivating. It's getting near the end for me. And I look over at Shep and I see a happy man surrounded by friends, by family really, his Ohana. Be Hawaiian to me it needs to be some kind of sense of connection to place and some sense of responsibility for it. It should be about being honest to place and being honest to what you love and be honest to what you value is a road that's constantly trying to be more and more informed. I don't even know sometimes how to be fully honest because they don't know enough. What I love about the oceans, that's my path, that I go on the oceans to seek that sense of truth. They said I could see whales, like close up. And I had reasons for optimism. All week I'd been staring out to sea, watching humpback whales leaping out of the ocean spouting and frolicking. So uh, are things compared to other parts of the world, our conservation efforts as far as uh, marine mammals in general, but whales in particular, going well? Is this so? That's the one thing on the planet that is. They're talking about taking humpbacks off the endangered species list, but it's good to hear that they've recovered, but then it may make it easy to add to the whaling list again. It's mating season in Hawaii for the nearly 10,000 humpback whales that migrate down from southeast Alaska each year. Dr. Joe Mobley of the University of Hawaii has dedicated his career to studying these whales. Yeah, I guess the song is supposed to be like the most complex display in the animal kingdom. When you're close to a singer, you can actually feel it through your whole body. It's like 185 dB, really loud. Wow. They don't mind us at all, do they?
We got it. That was that was incredible. Unbelievable. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.